What do you do when life is so overwhelming, confusing, frustrating, and it feels like everything is threatening your life and joy? You ready to go running? You want to be on the running? Or hiking? Or exercise? Hunting? Working out? Or do you reserve to food? Alcohol? Drugs? Prescription drugs? Do we run into prayer? Do we run into scripture? To worship? Sleep. I mean, Jesus, when he had a stressful day, and they were on a boat, Jesus took a nap. When he was resting, trying to come back together with his senses, he slept it off. David was very familiar. The writer of this song was writing, was very familiar with encountering trouble and worry. Anxiety and stress. If you've read any of the, the Psalms and the history books of 1st and 2nd Samuel and Chronicles and Kings, you'll know that David led a very stressful life. And he's trying constantly to get at political enemies usurping differences and splits and divisions. The kingdom being divided for the first part of his reign. He, he knew a life filled with anxiety. And stress and trouble. Do you feel stress and trouble right now? It's very easy to. Yep. And no matter where we're at politically with this election, I think with everything going on, it's just, well, I was talking about this this morning with Tiana, but it just feels like there's a blanket of on us, <laughs> a blanket of oppression over everyone. So angry. And last weekend alone, watching football games and watching little, you know, little snippets of the football games and, and clip after clip after clip on my clip up on my ESPN app was check out this brawl that broke out, check out this fight that happened. This guy snuck the guy the things, and this person even struck an official. There were so many fights that broke out. It's like becoming hockey. But college and, and pros. All these things happening everywhere. Riots and protests and ridiculousness all around us. <clears throat> Where did David look in times of trouble and anxiety? When he felt like there was a blanket of oppression over God's people. What did he say to that? What was the psalm that he wrote? I looked to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from? He is my strong tower. Circle the wagons. Circle the chairs, y'all. David communed with God. And this is the ancient tool that God has given us to deal with stress and anxiety in our lives. This is the ancient Remedy for worry, for anxiety, for stress, for oppression, for division, for malice. This is God's 
ancient tool for peace and joy and hope and abundant life. This, the table of the Lord. Now, so often I think we can become kind of trite. We don't really, we do it, we don't really know why we do it, or we just kind of go and do it, and we, we partake of it. And, but the understanding of the, why, why do we have snack in the middle of the whole worship service? <laughs> Which is the whole reason I went and got baptized when I was six years old, because I was like, hey, everyone else is getting snack. I thought, what? Oh, I'll come to Jesus. I want snack. <laughs> but until you understand fully, what is this? Then we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the joy. We're going to miss the abundant life. We're going to miss the unity and the hope. So let's talk about communion a little bit. The word communion comes also the word community. Commune, commune, communion, community has the same base root words. Uh, Com, which means with or together, and anus, oneness or union. So coming together in unity with one another. Communion is participation in something, that which is common, that we all partake together. And so it's not just this. It's what we do together. We, we, we lay down our arms. We lay down our divisions when we come together in unity. This power of team that we talked about in our vision book, right? This synergy as a, as, a, as a people. Now, we're not just talking about shift church as an organization. We're talking about God's people. Coming together, the power of God's team, the power of synergy amongst us is powerful. I was just expressing this yesterday when I was going out hunting with my buddy Bryce. Talking about when Josh and I you know, went, went out hunting last year. And we were... I didn't really tell the story last year, but we, we shot, I shot an elk last year, and we were hauling it out. Dumb thing to do. First, um, pulling it out. I uh, would not advise it. Um, pulling it out with para paracord, uh, 500-pound elk <laughs> to be pulled. Because um, what do hunters normally do? They order it. They take out pieces. <laughs> or, you know, you guys have tried that too? The whole thing? But we were, we were out there, and we were trying to do this, but we kept, we kept trying to kind of separate, because we're, you know, we're guys, we're like, no, we're, you know, girls, you know, sleep in the same bed, we'll cuddle, and guys are like, do not even touch me. <laughs> and so we're like, all this elk out, we're trying to like pull in different directions, going this way, but we realized that if we got closer to each other, if we pressed up against each other with our arms, we had way more strength to go in the same direction together. Unity. Synergy, power of team. Talking about horses and how they can individually carry 8,000 pounds. And you think, well, two horses can pull 16,000 pounds. Nope. 24,000 pounds. Over three times what one of them can carry. So one and a half times what they can carry by themselves. This is community. This is community. This is the power of team. This is the synergy that God desires of his people. 
because he knows that life is not lived best alone. Life is best lived with one another. Together in communion. And the table of the Lord, the table of communion, reminds us of the spiritual reality of each other. Mankind was made for communion. And communion was made for mankind. We were made for this. We were made for the table of the Lord. And the table of the Lord was a gift to us to share, to remind us of who we are in Christ. If you've been here at Ship Church for any given amount of time, you'll know that everything that we talk about here at Ship Church comes back to that, that concept of identity. Who are you and who are we? And the table of the Lord reminds us who we are. So I've given a few pieces of scripture out here. Well, notice Genesis 28. Go over. Can you read that, read that for us? Genesis 28. This is verse 15. Remember, I will be with you and protect you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done all that I have promised you. Where is that? Exodus 3. Exodus 3 12. Yes. And it says, And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that is, I who have sent you. When you have, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Matthew 28 20. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's the last teaching thing. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. Mm. Reminded that God is with us. He told us that our original purpose as his people was for his dwelling place. To be his dwelling place on earth. Israel, and now us as the church, we are the manifestation of God's presence on earth. That's who we are. And our origins come from the Old Testament, come from God's promises to them. And that's what Passover was, the last supper that Jesus partook with his disciples. That's the whole purpose that we, we participate in this, is based off of when Jesus shared Passover with them. And I'll talk about Passover over. So talking about the origin of this practice comes from Passover. Um, Passover, it, the, the story of Passover was proclaiming that God set his people free from slavery. And the reason why God used it, why Jesus used it as a picture of us as the church and his redeeming of us is that he set us free. He set the Israelites free from slavery. And he set us free from sin, death, shame, guilt, and grief. Jesus became our Passover lamb. That was they sacrificed the Passover lamb to remind them of when God 
pass over their houses and kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians, so he now passes over us. His angel of death passes over us. Because of his blood, because he is our Passover one. He is the bread of the covenant. And remember Abraham. Abraham tore animals apart and then you know walked in between them. And then that night he had a dream where God you know went in between pieces of the animals with the smoke and the fire. And that was symbolizing the ratification of his promise, of God's promise to Abraham that he would be with him and make him a great nation, make him a great people. And so when we take bread, we take this bread and we break it. That, that's what this symbolizes. We take the bread and we break it. Remembering that God fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. And then we take the cup, we take the cup of, of blood, the cup of grape juice, the fruit of the vine. And this reminds us that God himself, Jesus, fulfilled the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic laws. So the broken body and the shed blood of Christ reminds us that He has fulfilled every promise and brought us together in union with each other. Delivered us out of slavery to sin and set us apart to be His people. That's what Passover means to to meant to that. And this is the picture of what the Lord's Supper means to us. We're brought together. We share everything in common. He's washed us clean from everything, fulfilled the promises, so that he can commune with us. That means his mind. The spirit of peace instead of the spirit of division. The spirit of joy instead of the spirit of malice and anger and hatred and division between us. Spirit of love instead of the spirit of First Corinthians 10 and um, 11 speak of a community of the practice of the church. I want to read just a couple, couple of passages from there. So, First Corinthians 10, um, he says, My cherished friends, keep on running far away from idolatry. I know I am writing the thoughtful people here. So carefully consider what I say. For when we pray for the blessing of the communion of God, isn't, it, isn't this our part, co-participation with the blood of Jesus? And in the bread that we distribute, isn't this bread our co-participation, our participation, our union, our communion with the body of Christ, us, the church? For although we're many, we become one loaf of bread and one body as we feast together on one loaf. So what he's, he's imaging here is the one loaf. Basically, like for them, it would have been like a challah loaf. Uh, and so you, you make make all this bread. This all this bread came came out of one loaf, one batch. And so we see this. You know, this is in half of it. Well, maybe it's a little half, less than half out there. And then we made individual challah uh, loaves. Um, and so basically, what he's talking about is is that we we make the one loaf. And then we all partake of that one loaf. We take, take a, a hollow ball, or we break off, we break the, the bread, we tear it apart, and we partake of this. And by doing so, it's spiritually like we're putting the loaf back together. 
because we are a body, we are the body of Christ. It's a participation, co-participation, communion with the blood of Christ and a co-participation in the body of Christ. And so it starts out with one physical world. When we all partake of the individual pieces of the individual physical world, but then spiritually we are putting that load, the body of Christ, back together because we are kind of better unity. We are in communion, one with another. No distinction, no separation. First Corinthians 7, 11, 11, 23 to 26 says, I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation to the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and all, and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body, which is given to you. Do this to remember. Or, even a better word for us would be to memorialize me. Memorialize me. Have a memorial for This is basically a memorial. We're remembering Jesus. We're proclaiming Jesus. He did the same thing with the cup of wine after supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. So this passage actually comes out of a correction. He's setting their minds right again. Because what was happening is that this was a weekly thing for them. They would just simply come together and share a giant feast. You know, like the Israelites would, would come together and feast, uh, you know, seven times a year. They would come together weekly because Jesus was, you know, worth so much more to feast and to celebrate. They'd come together on a weekly meal. And the bread and the wine was part of the meal. And that's why he said, after supper, he took the bread, and they would have the first part of the meal would be this bread, there would be a, these different things, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like hummus and different, like, you know, dippers, dipping sauces and stuff. And they would eat the bread. And so he's like, whenever you do this as part of your meal, do this in a number of people. You're like telling, you know, telling people in Mexico or, you know, chips and salsa, like, when you eat the chips, remember me. That's my body. That's the loaf of the tortilla that you start separating out into three tortilla chips. Eat this part of your meal in remembrance of me. And then the wine was usually at the end of the meal. With the last, so this was actually when Jesus said this in Scripture. This was the fourth cup of the of the what's um, called the Passover Seder. The fourth cup was the cup of celebration, the cup of fulfillment, the cup of promise. So he's saying, whenever you do this, whenever you drink wine, you're part of these meals. Remember. So what was happening was that these these wealthy people were coming early, eating all the food and drinking all the wine. And so their poor brother, their slave brother, were coming later, and they had no food. And so, like, we can't participate with you in remembering Jesus. Like, what's up with this? And so that's why he was starting, like, in this manner, in your communion, I, I don't give you grace. Because when you come together, it's actually not for good, it's for worse. And so the, so the context is he's trying to set their minds back right for why they're participating in the table of the Lord. Why are we doing this? John 1 14 
talks about his flesh, talks about his body. The, the word, Jesus, you know, God, the word himself, became flesh and dwelt among us. So this concept of communion with one another, his communion with us, was started in the scripture in John 1. When he was born into this world, he communed with mankind. He came to dwell with humans. The word also says tabernacle. Tabernacle with, with humans. He dwelt among us and died for us and rose for us. He dwells inside and among us through his Holy Spirit. And he says in John chapter 20, this was the beginning of the church. This was the beginning of our identity and our presence as the church. John 20, verse 21 through 22. But Jesus repeated his readings when he appeared to the disciples. Peace to you. So when God's presence comes together first and foremost among his people, it is for the reason of peace. That word shalom. Flourishing. Among his people. And that's why he said, just as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them. And the same, the same word here in, in, in this passage is the same word that's in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, where it says that God breathed life into man. Breathed life into Adam. He breathed spiritual life into his disciples in this moment. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That is the presence. That is what God is doing with us. He is communing with us through breathing His Spirit into us when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. We were made for communion. And communion was made as a gift for us. He, you know, John talks about, in, in later on, when he writes a letter, he said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have communion with God, fellowship with God. And he empowers us. I want to read that the scripture passage. I want to make sure that the meaning is being proper. First John. And we share fellowship with one another. If we keep this, if we do this, if we, if we keep living in the impure life that surrounds him, we share unbroken communion with him and with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Light. It's impure light. We are the light to all nations. He is the light of God. He is the light to the world, and we are his lights to the world. We shine his light to the world around us through having fellowship with God, communion with God, and fellowship communion with others, with each other. This is why Jesus' very name in the scriptures is Emmanuel, which means 
is the very picture. Jesus is the very picture of communion with God. God with us. And as those words echoed in my mind, like when everyone said that, that this, you know, when she walked in this room, she, she immediately heard the words, I am with you. The ability for us to look across the circle and say to your, your, your brothers and sisters across the circle, I'm with you. Say it right. Say it to the person across the circle from you. Look across the circle and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Say it again. I'm with you. Now say it as you're speaking God's voice to your brother and sister in Christ. Saying God, saying, saying, saying for God, saying God is with you, saying I am with you. Hear that? God is saying to us, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear that from God. Hear that from God. You feel that wave of. Holy Spirit just behind in that moment. God is with you. God is with you. God is with Steve and Carrie and Noel. God is with Titi and Joey. God is with you. And God is with us. I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you, Gloria. I'm definitely with you, brother. And understanding and believing that you are with me. You are with me. As a brother in Christ, you are with me. As I am with you. I am with you. I am with God. We are with you, God. We as a church are saying to God, we are with you. Wherever you lead us, wherever you guide us, Lord, that's where we want to go. We are with each other. Mm-hmm. So communion with God, through scripture and prayer, and communion with one another through fellowship. Communion as a practice and an expression is the most powerful thing in the world that can heal and comfort people. This coming together as a church, and even greater in smaller expressions and around the table, coming together around the table to share the table with other Lord with one another. One of the amazing things in Scripture is that the whole reason for community coming together, God calling out people. Is this phrase he keeps repeating over and over and over in the scripture? Do not fear. He always justifies it. Why? Because I'm with you. For I am with you. That's why you don't have to have fear. That's why you don't have to be afraid. That's why you can live your life no matter what's in your hand. No matter what CNN or Fox News is telling you. No matter what you see on your Facebook feed. No matter what you see on your Instagram stories. Have no fear. Do not absorb their emotions and their fear and their anxiety and their freaky outness and their whatever you see on there. Have no fill in the blank. 
for I am with you. Do not fear. He has given us the church, us. He's given us us. He's given us us to alleviate that fear, to remind each other of the hope that we have in Christ, the peace and the joy we have in Christ. As in Isaiah 41, is a picture of this. Do not fear, for I am with you. We'll watch over you wherever you go. He will dwell among us. Commune with us. When he restores everything. Now makes all things new. Close your eyes. Close your eyes for a moment. And as I read this passage in Scripture, let this both alleviate fear and give you confidence and strength. Let this strengthen our hearts and set in our minds a picture of the kingdom, of the true country, the true nation, the true present that we have in front of us. Then, in a vision, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away. And the sea no longer existed. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, God's people, descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God like a pleasing, pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding. And I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, Look, God's tabernacle is with human beings. And from now on, he will tabernacle, he will dwell with them as their God. Now God himself will have his home with them. God with them will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist and the old order has ceased. And God enthroned spoke to me and said, Consider this. I am making everything to be new and fresh. Write down at once all that I've told you, because each word is trustworthy and dependable. Then he said, It has been accomplished. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph, and the top, the beginning and the end. I will give water to all who are thirsty as my gracious gift. They will continually, continuously drink from the fountain of living water. The conquering ones will inherit these gifts for me. I will continue to be their God, and they will continue being children for me. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the despicable, the murderous, the perverts, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all deceivers, they will find their place in the lake of fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is the ultimate victory. This is the power of communion. Making all things new and reminding us what kingdom we are truly a part of. And so then, this communion is our reminder of our communion with God through the blood and body of Christ. 
our communion with one another through Christ and our future hope of fulfilled communion in the kingdom of God.